to Okay, um, so we're recording. Um, this episode of Homewood is sponsored by your friends at Northrop Grumman. Mm -hmm. Oh my God, I love being a lobbyist for <laughs> military companies. If you yeah. need a if you need a military industrial complex in your neighborhood, call us up. Yeah, here here promoting that here promoting that war warmongering capitalist propaganda here at Homewood. Welcome to the show, everybody. Mm -hmm. um, My name's Katie it, Porter. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, what a shame! What a shame. Uh, uh, my name is Matthew. I'm uh, I'm based in Kansas City, Missouri. I'm Will. I'm based in DC. Mm -hmm. And yeah, we're both uh, two individuals who would love to, you know, see a democratic reorganization of society. You know, a little democratic economy, a little little workers' economy in this world. And you know, we'll work in one day at a time to make that happen. Um. Uh. Yeah. Ralph? Yes, I um, am an organizer here in D.C. I am starting at a new place called D.C. Voters for Animals, where we focus on um, human rights and animal rights and just figuring out the best ways to get a more democratic D.C., figuring out things like statehood and how to overcome a bunch of objections to giving people healthy access to like food and access specifically in like the poorest wards of the city for healthcare and um, reducing violence in our city. And a lot of that comes through like the basis of like figuring out how we can get sustainable um, food sources and sustainable um, access to like workplaces and environmentally friendly, friendly workplaces um, within our city. So um, yeah, just want to check in. How are you doing, Matt? Asking for way too much. Um, <laughs> I'm good. I'm good. It's, you know, cold and rainy here today in Kansas City. It goes from 68 to, you know, 20 day by day. So loving all of this ridiculous weather. Um, but here in Kansas City, I'm uh, the newest member of Socialist Alternative. It's uh, um, a revolutionary socialist party um that wants to see you know uh, uh that wants to see a mass movement of working people in this country overthrow capitalism so yeah here in kansas city building that party trying to build a revolutionary party to make that happen um also i'm a worker with casey tenants a tenants union here in the city um yeah trying to make housing a human right um so what is that what does that look like it's such what does a, that look like that's such like a cliche statement or like like not even cliche but something like it doesn't even sound like a thing that i understand having a human right i mean so having uh the city of kansas city permanently fund um uh, affordably uh yearly permanently fund social housing in the city of kansas city that is permanently affordable so that means we need to challenge like the idea of what is considered affordable. You know, a, lots of times in many different cities across the country, you have um, boards made up of real estate and individuals, developers, for-profit housing people that go and decide what affordable housing is. You know, we have a 200 unit building, 25% of it, let's say that's generous, has to be affordable. And they're trying to tell us $1,200 is affordable in what world? Mm -mm, no. Like, so, you know, uh, the, the Kansas City tenants platform 
which is called the People's Platform, goes into much more detail about this, but it's saying we need permanently funded affordable housing. We need to tax the rich, tax the developers that are leeches on this city um, so that we can house everybody, you know? Yeah. And um, so curious, what is like, what is the minimum wage in your city? Because we have this similar issue where like, in DC, we have developers all over, specifically like um, something like ur- a lot of them have the name like urban built into them, mm-hmm. um, and so like they're they take something that used to be like an auto zone, and mm-hmm. they're in a lot of places like seventh or eighth ward specifically now. Um, just to say like seventh and eighth wards are like the poorest parts of DC. Um, they also only have like one or two grocery stores and like those entire wards, mm-hmm. and so like those people either don't have access to like healthy and sustainable food resources um they face the highest like levels of like environmental like racism specifically from like pollutants um also like they're they're like both like on like the cusp of the river so like the anacostia river in dc is like you oftentimes find dead bodies in these rivers and so like we know what like those bodies are but also like a lot of people like go through and just like fish in those waters and so like it's just thinking about for us, like our minimum wage in DC is 1610. Mm-hmm. But ours so the, in Missouri is 12. So Okay, okay. <laughs> like even <laughs> like even with the, the the 1610 minimum wage, like they'll literally say, like, okay, like we're gonna build a 225 unit um complex or something, and this place will have a city council made ordinance that like 25% of them must be affordable housing, which means that like only 25 of those units are actually within like a certain bracket. But the caveats to those brackets still end up being something like, well, you can't make over you can't make over 60,000, but you can't make under like 33,000. And so it keeps people in these weird ranges because oftentimes like the median income in DC is like 75 grand. And so like it keeps people from like finding attainable housing um, yeah. in so many ways because like either they're not going to look for like employment opportunities that may raise their income because they're afraid that like well it jeopardizes my housing mm-hmm. or it keeps people like in areas where like the schools that may be like underfunded so there's just like so many disparities of, like well I have to think about if, if I can't afford to live in this housing then I know that the local school is also going to be extremely violent and bad and underfunded and these exactly. are all like and you you make you make another you're making a good point which is like a, a good transition to the fact that we're also calling for strict rent control because much like how much like how wages need to be connected to the cost of living, the cost of rent needs to be connected to the cost of living. Because right now, since there is no rent control, since there is no regulation around what the cost of rent is, price gouging just happens willy-nilly. You know, it isn't based. It, I mean, it's all based around, you know, like developers making a 5% profit off of all of their investments, which is just like inhumane. Housing is a human right. Housing should be treated that way. And one of the best ways to do it is not only to fund permanently affordable housing for the housing that already exists, we need rent control. We need price caps 
and we need uh, like rent control. And the thing is, is that what we have a kind of difficult situation here in Kansas City is, is that, you know, in order to address some of these systemic issues, you know, we want to raise the minimum wage. The city of Kansas City is prohibited as a city from raising the minimum wage by the state of Missouri, much like the city of Kansas City is prohibited from imposing rent control by the state of Missouri. So it's one of those things where, you know, we, we have to, you know, either rely on, you know, election, electoral things like state referendums or organizing mass amounts of people, you know, like, it's like, instead of waiting around for the minimum wage to be raised, like we need to, we need to raise, we need to organize workers around demands like $25 an hour, you know, the, the say across the board, because if we're following the the arc, if not the arc, the, the 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 line of inflation since minimum wage was created, minimum wage would be about thirty dollars right now. And in this country, the last time this country had a raise was two thousand nine for the federal minimum wage. Can you believe that? Two thousand nine. I thought it was two thousand seven, like right before George W. Bush left. No, it was an Obama era moment. It was a 2009. I think that's when it was federally raised to 725. But the thing is, is that, you know, uh, uh, like the, the, the so-called producers in our society, the ones that so-called bring like all, you know, all, all the all the profiting goods, which is, is not true. It is it is it is workers who, who, who provide profit and do everything in our society. Um, you know, the, the business owners, the CEOs and stuff like that, they say my cost, you know, my cost of doing business is going up. You know, that's why prices are going up. Then why aren't my wages going up? Huh? Why aren't my wages allowed to keep up with the cost of cost of living? Like it makes no sense. Um, so there's just like some challenges that we face here in Kansas City in terms of making rent control happen, in terms of raising wages and in, in terms of, you know, ways uh, to fund affordable housing. Um, yeah, so that's some of the stuff we're working on over here. So it's interesting you say that because it drives in another point where like, well, you know, people are, or corporations and business leaders and CEOs are saying like, oh, you know, yeah, my cost of like wages, my cost of like running or operating a business is going up. But corporations consistently have seen like their highest like earnings and like profit sharings and like stock buybacks in like history. Yeah, we're like, second gilded age. Getting we're second gilded age for sure. Yeah, exactly. Just like someone's getting paid, like, and it's not the workers. And like, yeah, some workers are getting, they're having to like literally risk their lives and their jobs and all this, uh, like everything, just to get a raise. Like, I mean, Starbucks workers, Amazon workers, mm-hmm. and like they keep going up. But it, you also see like whenever there's a Starbucks around, the local coffee shop that's like a mom and pop brick and mortar business oftentimes like has to compete in like these really weird ways just for like a barista or someone to come in sometimes a coffee shop may like compete a little bit better like they like okay like we can give like everyone like tip sharing or and also meet them in one wage but then like starbucks will come in and like if they try to unionize one store they'll say like well if it's a corporate owned store then we'll also pay for like tuition and we'll pay for like abortions and we'll do all these like democratically, quote unquote, democratically like positive things or, or quote unquote, blue state things. Con- concessions that corporations are willing to make in order pre- to prevent the democratization of a workplace, essentially. Saying, mm-hmm. well, y'all don't need to unionize to democrat- 
monetize this workplace, we'll give you tuition, we'll give you this, we'll give you that, which is like, you know, at the end of the day is, is a win for corporations because at the end of the day, what we want is a worker run society, you know, because it's like uh, at the end of the day, who knows how to run Starbucks best? Starbucks workers, you know, who mm -hmm. knows how to, how, how to run the railroads best, for example, another current issue, the railroad workers. Because at the end of the day, they're well, not asking for just two people to be on a train. That's literally, why is that? Long. Why, like, why is that our North Star? <laughs> like two people <laughs> on a train that's a mile plus long? No, but um, because fundamentally, at the end of the day, the CEOs and the bosses and the owners, they, they, their their biggest priority is the shareholder, and and it's saying no matter what decision we make for this company for this corporation our our, our 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 biggest priority is shareholder stock buybacks and getting this money back and also monopolizing and controlling the resources and wealth in society instead of saying you know okay we need a worker-run government where people are actually able to democratically decide what is done with our resources you know it's like democratic economy um what is done with our resources you know and and where where do, where what is done with them? Where do we go with them? How do we use them? I mean, in like any multitude of ways. I don't want to go down too much of a tangent, but yeah, I mean, it's like you know, but back to that point, it's like, oh, we'll give you you know a little bit of bit of tuition, but it's like, oh, but I bet you're part of the reason why we don't have public college. What that your this corporation, you know, is I'm sure is lobbied against us having public college in the first place. So it's like your band aid solution is not a concession. Yeah, if I was a Starbucks worker, it's not a concession that I would be willing to take, you know. So, um, yeah, it's 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 interesting. I mean, like, then with Casey Tenants, like, what are you guys like working on now? So right now, Casey Tenants, um, is so Casey Tenants is the tenants union, and um. There is like another, you know, kind of sibling organization called Casey Tenants Power, which is like the political flank of uh, of the union. And this time around, we have in Kansas City, we have some pre uh, um, elections coming up for city council and mayor and stuff like that. And this time around, uh, as a union, they decided that they want to run two candidates um, for city council. Uh, they're running based on a... Uh, based on a platform, they're, they're calling it the people's platform. It was like a year long process of these like, you know, somewhat democratic meetings of like over 5,000 like uh, tenants in Kansas city coming together, you know, talking about issues that are important to them and they coalesced it into a platform. And now those two candidates are running on, on said platform. So it's like, you know, it's some somewhat, somewhat independent working politics in Kansas city that's happening. Um, and, um, I've been doing some campus directing myself for the field, uh, for the elections. Um, and we're about to hit GOTV, get out the vote in four days, about 10 days out from the election. Um, and, you know, while I, um, while I, I, I disagree personally with some of like Casey Tennant's and Casey Tennant's power, you know, I, I think they have a bit of reformist politics, you know, they aren't as, revolutionary as I think that they could be and I think their platform could be a, a lot stronger and clearer in terms of like what is best for working people um 
but yeah, it's kind of, it's kind of, it's, it's the, you know, the best we have at the moment in Kansas city. Um, so yeah, that's what we're doing. We're trying to um, get some, as they call tenant allies or tenant champions onto city council. So can hopefully pass some, um, uh, some tenant friendly um, legislation, as long as uh, worker friendly legislation in Kansas city. So one day at a time over here. Interesting. What about what about you? So, like, I you have have you started your new job? Um, I've done like some presentation work that'll like be going to city council about like food access. Mm -hmm. Um, something that like specifically like they're pushing for for the organizations pushing forward like in city council is like a bill to address um DC's fur cruelty. So, like stores like Macy's and even Marcus, like they've had like long histories of like producing like um for um products and oftentimes like these furs are like from like local vendors or like from local suppliers but like a part of the issue with that is like well who's working in these factories that are making these furs these are poor people these are like um undocumented workers and then even sometimes like they're like child migrant workers and like it's like violating so many like labor laws. conservative legislation these days. Wow. Yeah. And, and the crazy thing is that like, especially coming off like the heels of like a pandemic, like sure, there's like lab leak theory and a bunch of things about like COVID, but like the reality is that like COVID still like didn't go from animal to human. And so when you think about like the like poor working conditions in like factories and like warehouses that like distribute like animal byproducts. COVID or yeah, any number of diseases could could be transmitted. Yeah, like like so like these things go to humans, and so these people are like like I said, they're undocumented or they're they're poor people, and so oftentimes they don't have health insurance, and so that puts the burden of it on like an already struggling like Medicaid and Medicare system, or either like yeah. like most Americans who don't go to the doctor until like shit is so bad because we simply don't have like a healthcare system that is like working or invested in for the betterment of all people so like there's like pieces of legislation that kind of like we don't live in a vacuum like one part isn't separated from another so like yeah, it's also thinking about like okay sure you want to wear this coat whatever like there are ethical and sustainable like alternatives to that this also provides like supports like small businesses and like environmental solutions that are like right here in, available in our backyards but instead of like mayor's office like providing grants and like public funding to like new initiatives and alternatives to this that are like really really like resolving some of the long history of like environmental racism what we do is we give like big discounts to like we pitched a big deal to get amazon's second headquarters like here or instead of like saying, hey, like, what small businesses could, like, actually provide a difference to, like, their own community, which mm -hmm. also, like, economic solutions provides, like, an alleviation to some of the, like, violence that mm -hmm. are in our city. So it's, like, they're all interconnected, and these are just, like, bad policy pieces that literally keep us from, like, being a better place. So how do we, like, have resources and how do we figure out stuff? So it's, like, now we're at a point where it's kind of, like, we're just going to start focusing on, like, the poorest three wards in DC, which is like wards five, which I live in ward five. So it's like wards five, seven, and eight are the three poorest wards. Like, how can we like get council members to like get on board with stuff? And I think with me like coming on board, it was a thing about like, I just presented a case of like, how do we message these things in like a way? Like, 
I like to use the idea of Katie Porter's whiteboard energy, not to be confused with her um, Benjamin and Yahoo energy. Mm-hmm. Um, yes. like, of course, good like, to clarify. Do, or Democratic like, do, Party energy. Right, right, right. Like, how do we, like, you know, hold, like, these elected people to account? And also, how do we, like, make it, like, aesthetically pleasing for them to, like, understand and also, like, cause a bit of commotion with, like, citizens like and like just framing a reimagining about like what the world could be if we understand like the risk and how these things are all interconnected in like such a way um that just makes our world just like a little bit better like i mean it's probably like one thing that i feel like is a long-term goal um but one thing that they are like really understanding with, and I, I think that was a good thing for them, was like, hey, they knew that they needed to hire someone of color, someone who knew that like knew these neighborhoods, and also like can easily bridge gaps and build relationships with like people who are doing like violence intervention work. Like all of these things are interconnected because there are people in like my wards and or like wards seven and eight that like want dog parks and want safer communities, but you also need to, like, be able to, like, go to city council, explain these issues to them, and also invest in education around, like, animal safety and also not just animal safety, but, like, think about, like, we have a wharf, a, a reconstructed new wharf, but they tore down all of, like, the affordable housing and the projects in these areas to, like, make this, like, this new beautiful riverside front and waterfront place. But it's like, well, what happened to these ple- these people in these places well, they were like disinvested in. They were like then also told to like, hey, you know what? You are someone who we simply don't give a right ass about anymore. And so people don't just exist, like like cease to exist. Like they're not unalive. Like they're not like they, they're not can like we don't we canceling people isn't a real thing. Like you, we're not disappearing. Like we just go into the shadows of like fighting for our lives in other ways because when you have nothing left what you what are you going to do i'm willing to rob you i'm willing to steal your car i'm willing to put a gun to your face because i have nothing else left and so you're going to see much more violence and agitation in every way and it's going to like yeah cause this sort of like liberal elite divide like within dc itself for people who said like oh dc is such a blue place it's such a there is it's still a, a capitalist place, you know. Yeah, it's like it's a very capitalist city. Let's be real. Like, enables and like uh, not like causes so many antisocial behaviors, mm-hmm. you know, because of all these not only these fundamental things like you talk about, like housing, healthcare, access to transportation. I could go on. All of these things that if they were human rights, they were decommodified and were publicly controlled or human rights, they would address so many antisocial behaviors that, you know, you see in like divested from neighborhoods or divested from apartheid neighborhoods, whatever, however you want to like call it. Um, I mean, yeah, like there, there were these projects called Berry Farms, which like um, our old coworker from the campaign, um, Nini worked, like she lived in Berry Farms for a while, like she grew up in the area. And it's so weird because like now they're like doing this whole redevelopment thing, like in these neighborhoods. And it's like, not only is it like egregious to like displace people and not like help them to find like affordable and permanent housing solutions after like disinvesting in public housing, which sidebar, Public housing is like an investment in your country. Look at Austria. Like 70% of their country's housing is like public housing, but they also reinvest in it over and over again because housing is a freaking human right. Mm-hmm. Like there's never been a person who doesn't need housing, healthcare, or food. Like it, it, it just is what it is. So mm-hmm. like 
it's it's a thought process for me of like, oh, how do I figure out like frameworks about like messaging it? And like, I'm really, really going to be like, just like focusing in and honing on like, okay, who's like my representative for Ward 5? His name is Zachary Parker. I know exactly who he is. I am like ready to like try to push him on like pushing for bills and like advocating for like better things that are like investments in these areas and also like disinvestment and like animal cruelty, which is also human cruelty. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so, like the way, like the 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 way we value our world, our resources, our animals, all of it, all of it, mm-hmm. should be yeah. like a humane lens, and should be like, you know, it shouldn't be up to a few private corporations how we spend our resources, you know. Yeah, so, everyday, everyday people have the power to be leaders and decide what's right for the world. Yeah. I, I mean, it's, it's, and it's so weird how, like, this system has been, like, built for so long to, like, almost, like, tell people that, like, well, these things are, like, unattainable. They just can't happen. They would just, like, completely cause a shift and an overhaul to, like, the system that exists and keeping, like, powerful people from, like, actually doing, like, anything good. It's, like, and uh, instead we'll invest in space wars or, or, or what is it? Space Force. And it's like, the I, aliens I have know. already, like, I always say this, the aliens have come and was like, girl, one star. <laughs> I mean, yeah, I love, say it again, say it for the people. <laughs> if like, aliens came to this planet, they would They've been here, and they said, trash, garbage, I'm gone, girl. <laughs> they said, y'all have how many resources? Y'all have fresh water? Y'all have all this, and what? Like, mm-mm. y'all are y'all blowing each other up. Y'all are fucking not making collective decisions. You're leaving it up to a few skeezy little weasels to decide what people do with their resources and their time. And you use this piece of paper called money. Yeah. <laughs> what? What is this? Like, what? Y'all, y'all, are ghetto. y'all are crazy. Y'all could be mm-hmm. living, y'all could be living a socialist utopia where everyone lives with dignity and the world is treated with dignity, but we just can't, but we can. We're not right now, but we can. It is totally It's different. so funny because I, I guess I'm, I'm starting to understand socialism a little bit. There was like a, the show I was, before we were on um, the show, there was a show I was telling about The Last of Us. There was like episode eight, seven or eight, where like they go to sort of like this new utopia that happens where like, um, Essentially, there is like a commune where like everyone kind of like there's no one leader, but like everyone sort of shares like resources, they share work, they share like a bunch of things. And like one person like literally points out like, oh, it sounds like communism. She's like, that's exactly what it is. It's a commune. And like sort of. I I, I want to like, you know, in terms of. So the thing is, is that, you know, it's not just like you know, some Jim Jones, like, isolated commune that's, like, you know, because the, the the idea of socialism is that it's it's a, um, uh, and because socialists talk about solidarity and international solidarity a lot, because it, 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 need, it needs to be a global thing, because it's, like, it, it's, like, you know, you elect representatives that are local, uh, like, state, national, it, like international and it and it it's it's an international sharing of resources ideas and abilities and it's getting rid of it's getting rid of like states and nations because one of the things that kind of that 
drives capitalism obviously is war and what drives war it's like nationalism and statehood like getting rid of the idea that you know all these you know we we have these these boundaries that exist and you know they all need to be defended and we all need to fight over resources and we all need to like fight over ideas and blah blah and all this and saying no you know like what is the best place in the, in, in the world we need to be growing pineapples you know and if let's say right now you know we like like for example capitalism on a year on a yearly basis produces 50% more food than the world needs to survive yet a billion almost a billion people go hungry how does that make sense you know there in in the US there's 350 million tons of food that go to waste every single year but we literally have like food deserts and like exactly and the thing is is that back to the pineapple example for example under socialism it'd be like okay, there's like 2 million pineapples eaten every year. Let's make 2 million pineapples. You know, it's like we need to democratically decide what we do with our resources and what we do with our time. And the Mm -hmm. thing is that, you know, like let's say under right now under capitalism, there's 10 million pineapples produced every year, but only 2 million of them are getting eaten. What a waste. What a waste of resources. What a waste of time. What a waste. And the thing is, is that because right now when you have a system that is so nonsensical, every single decision made in this world is almost based on profit and shareholders you know it doesn't it's not rational it's a completely irrational system that puts that 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 says that no resource human or place is sacred nothing you know and it and it and it also takes you know it 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 takes the democracy out of out of everything it's like how can you you know everyday working people have no say in their own economy have no say in their own world in a real way outside of this you know every couple of years for example in the united states when we all get to count ourselves by voting and even really that's not like a democracy you know yeah because it's like well you're voting for what like you're vo- not voting for what but like you're voting for like a certain section of like a bigger piece or something when really like i i just i don't know it's 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 you know like these the because we have two parties two capitalist parties that represent capitalist corporations mm-hmm. um and they aren't they you know they aren't, aren't they aren't accountable to working people they aren't uh, they they aren't uh, uh, subject to direct recall. You know they're accountable to their donors and their shareholders. I mean it's like the the same thing. You know not saying that under a socialist society we wouldn't have elected individuals. You know they wouldn't there wouldn't be there 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 wouldn't be as much room for for corruption because like you would have the ability to directly recall individuals. You would have the ability to there wouldn't be you know it's it's like eliminating the whole idea of class you know so there wouldn't be some like kind of class race that you're you're fighting that you know you're like fighting for you know like i need to like take all these bribes and stuff like that to better myself in the world it's like no i'm like i'm an everyday normal person who can make uh who can make decisions about the society that i live in you know um and this like isn't the hottest explanation of it but well, let me ask you this, because you're, you're more, I mean, you are working with Socialist Alternative, you're a founding member of, like, the chapter in your area, so let me ask you this from someone who knows nothing about this. Mm-hmm. Um, what do you say to, because this is something that, like, I guess I, I hear more of, like, as a comeback statement, like, well, look at, like, 
I mean, and, and I know like some of the talking points of, or some of the talking points, but also like some of like the structural differences between like, we'll say, well, look at China. China's the communist state. Look at Russia or look at, you know, Venezuela and these places that were like tried these systems that were not necessarily. Like, China is like, for example, China's state capitalism. It's not a worker run society. It is, it is. It's it's state capitalism. It's capitalism, but just run by the state and not corporations. Um, uh, Russia started off as a socialist society after the revolution in 1917, uh, but like ended up after, you know, being battered by Western countries trying to invade this worker state that was created, the only worker state that's ever been created, uh, regressed into what we call Stalinism, like this but more like bureaucratic socialism that was very repressive that wasn't based on working people running society it was like a few bureaucrats who you know as we will know the czar is what they overthrew that was the monarchy but it was a few bureaucrats you know that do are doing just a little bit better than working people kind of like for example we experience at unite here like okay I'm, so like i'm making 100k a year i'm comfy it was a bunch of bureaucrats that ended up running the country and it, it it was it was it was not that was not socialism that was not socialism i like how you pointed out that <laughs> what i will always always girl always and so just to give people a little bit of a like backstory right you and i worked together on um john fetterman's senate campaign um, um the un- through the hospitality union unite here also known as new labor also known as business unionism but go on um tell me so just from your own words I'm, I'm curious to know what your experience was with that campaign and what you probably would have wanted to see happen differently i mean so it's 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 interesting uh it's what would I have liked to see differently? So after, you know, I'm, I'm 24 years old and I've been involved in electoral politics or some, in some kind of way since I was 16. And, you know, I, I went to... The, uh, uh, after, and I, you know, I went to architecture school in Tulane University in New Orleans in the South. Um, and at the end of my five-year architecture um, academic career, I made uh, like I, I came to a conclusion that I did not want to pursue architecture because there is not a lot of room for socialist architects in our current economic system and world. And I didn't want to be uh, what I see as like a key part of how capital and the real estate market is used to displace people. And I didn't, I didn't want to be a part of that. I wanted to be a part of um, creating a more democratic society and not um, taking a job where I'm complicit in oppressing people. Um, and so I, I, you know, I saw labor as the way to change the world, you know, working people are the ones that create all value in our society. They're the ones that create all, all profit. They're the ones that create. And, you know, like if, if working people go on strike, the economy and the world shut down because they run and create society. Um, and so I was like, I was looking to unions. I'm like, you know, what can I do? Like, I obviously, I need to be an organizer. I, I need to organize working people. And so I found Unite Here, which is a hospitality union. Hospitality is things like cooks, things like folks who work at airports, it's maids, it's um, it's a litany of things. Um, 
And I met an organizer down there, you know, and I interacted with her. Her name is Mariah. Um, at this point, you know, we have like very different, you know, political uh, views, but she was seemed to me at the time, like a very radical organizer was organizing workers in New Orleans um, uh, at things like the Superdome, organizing hospitality workers there. And, um, you know, I was able to shadow her and I did a good job. And I thought this was going to be my life now. It was like organizing workers, you know, doing card checks, doing house visits. I thought it was a uh, part of the the labor bureaucracy, if you would. Um, but, and I had told her my frustration with interacting with electoral campaigns, you know, it usually cuts, cuts the knees off of radicals, you know, socialists running as Democrats and yada, 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 and interacting with money. And so they ended up offering me a job where I was going to get sent to Philadelphia for this Senate and gov gubernatorial campaign. Um, where I was told, you know, it's going to be an organizing training, but it ended up just being a canvassing thing. It ended up, it, it was part of like, you know, uh, the Democratic Party's union arm of, you know, using rank and file union workers to go out there to support candidates that inherently are in direct opposition to their interests, you know, because cap the, as we know, the Democrats are a capitalist party. They are not for working people. They're 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 much like a CEO has responsibility to its shareholders. Democrats are responsibility to capitalists and owners in our society. So my experience with uh, Unite Here canvassing in Philadelphia was of a union that doesn't recognize its own power. That would rather you know that that looks down on workers. That does not see workers as you know as as radical individuals that can liberate themselves and provide them with a radical program um but yeah sees that you know they they need to hire you know college educated individuals who know better than working people who can you know get them a better contract instead of demanding a radical change to society i don't know whether that i kind of got myself on a tangent there but like yeah it, it, it was no, no, disappointing, it's, it's disappointing experience as you experienced it as well as being you know a rank a rank and file member who came in to unite here um i mean it's poor leadership it's 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 um thinking that they know better than than workers it's it's a litany of issues i mean yeah i came in as a complete outsider like honestly um my i worked in like an environmental justice um organization before who i also had problems with because i felt like oftentimes that organization utilized black and brown faces um to discuss issues around racism and environmental issues and structures that are like inherently problematic in like my city and when it came time um to go into camp like to First of all, I was working on organizing a poor people's campaign in D.C. last summer. Mm -hmm. And um, my supervisor knew um, Jennifer Skarnick at um, Unite Here International Union. And mm -hmm. so I was like, oh, you know, I have someone who, like, maybe should, like, come on board for this campaign. Like, I think he's really, he's really, like, good at, like, and actually from the jump, I was told, that, like, oh, like, you should go and, like, work on, like, their comms team. Um, I knew nothing. I'd never canvassed before. I knew nothing about like labor, like the labor movement. Like we, at the time, my job was just starting to like try to get a like union put together and like 
find like stuff in it which we ended up going with like um we ended up going with the union like this year um but like it, it was a lot of like issues and things that were just kind of like mm-hmm. for me as an outsider I felt like oftentimes it was focused on like too much of the wrong things like it, everything just felt like everyone was just a number every part of the system was just like oh we've got to knock 750,000 doors was like this this common thread that was fed over and over and and it was weird because we were at this like national there was this national conversation already going on about like the importance of like labor the importance of workers the importance of like getting workers organized and like fired up to like take back power and as someone who had never experienced like what labor organizing was even like or even knowing what it really was like coming coming into a union situation at like during a campaign where I literally saw workers like getting shot. I saw workers like experiencing all of these like hardships. Like mm-hmm. I was just putting their, lives, was, putting their lives on the line for, for a door knock number. And it just made me feel like this can't be the best way to go about it. And I just I, like personally, the part that really like grinded my gears was just like really thinking about like how like structurally this was bad and like inherently like violent for like from an environmental perspective like campaign literature is so 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 problematic like the paper that was used and like I kept trying to like myself and like um another friend from the campaign who was also like not like involved in the union but like she had come from NYU but like um also focused on like engineering and like sustainability like we were both like trying to put together this presentation like y'all could actually do so much better like you could like get build a coalition that was better figure out messaging that was better and like literally the last month of the campaign that finally came to us was like okay like let's build a comms team mm-hmm. it was like you've already been here for three months like you now want to build a communications team of like how to like frame messaging mm-hmm. like you, you all had like really bad literature it could have like gone so much better, and especially in a city like Philadelphia that had been democratically run for like sixty years, it was just so disheartening, and I was like really heartbroken by it. But I was like, you know what? Maybe it's just this part of the union. So I went to work on the next campaign with them in Georgia, where I worked on um, Senator Raphael Warnock's um, runoff campaign. And I, I will say that my experience in Georgia was so much better. I mean, it was similar issues in terms of, like, the higher-ups, like, not, like, listening to, like, the people at the bottom. Um, it was similar issues with, like, bad campaign literature. Mm-hmm. Um, the conditions were a lot worse because it was, like, the winter time at this point. Yeah. And so, like, it was... We're in, like, southern... And I'm not in Atlanta. Like, I'm in, like, Columbus, Georgia. So, like, this, like overt racism in like a military town mm-hmm. as like a queer black person who was like seemingly I like to think of myself as like someone who's like just all about like human care mm-hmm. like I, I don't really like to choose like to say like oh I'm a progressive or I'm a centrist or like I know what those things are but like I like to consider myself like I just care about humans like I just care about like what's best for people like I don't give a fuck about your label but, like, y'all are just not caring about humans. Like, your own humans. And, like, I've seen this over and over again. And, I mean, it just it, it, it just felt like the conversations went on deaf ears. But 
But I, I then learned that, like, even talking to, like, the higher-ups who I thought were in control of things, learning that, like, they had people blocking them from, like, listening to our ideas. Like, it, it, it was just disparaging. It was like, this is not good. I mean, and even thinking about now, like, people I know, like, Disney workers who are part of the same union, who are literally fighting in the year of our Lord, 2023, fighting for $18 of a minimum wage. And I just want to remind people that, like, the minimum wage in D.C. is $16.10. You have workers in Disney who are sleeping in their cars because they cannot get a measly, like, $18 an hour mm-hmm. um, to just afford to live somewhere. And so those things, like, kind of, they, they didn't kind of bother me. They bothered me a lot. And I was just like, I I don't know that I would do another campaign with them. Um, I just, like, I, if things were different, sure. But, like, I will say that the union was good at, like, taking care of, like, housing and our cars but but these are the things that like they should take care of right and the thing is is that this is like what it comes down to is that like you know a union like unions just the very idea of them are they're supposed to be inherently radical but you have like a union like unite here who's very complicit um and just uh blindly supporting the democratic party is putting as we saw millions millions of dollars um in order to support you know, these Democratic candidates versus putting that millions of dollars into organizing unorganized workers, you know, fucking creating a a militant working movement in order to, instead of just doing the same thing every three or four years, you know, like. Yeah, and it it was heartbreaking. It was like, it felt a bit disrespectful to like, not only myself, and, like, you know, people from the outside looking in, but it just felt like this was, like, blatant disrespect to, like, their cities that, like, like, Philadelphia, the, the, I mean, workers were coming and making, like, at the sports complex, like, $13 an hour. And the minimum wage in Pennsylvania was, like, $7.25. But it's, like, you could have taken a New York City route. Like, New York State and New York City's minimum wage standards are different. And, like, you could have advocated and fought, like, city council hard enough to ensure that, like, those policies would have directly affected them in a much more positive light. Um, But no one wanted to, like, do that kind of work. And so that was, like, something that, like, we just saw over and over again. Um, But it's definitely shaped, like, my political, like, future. Like, from there, it was just kind of like, okay, what do I care about differently now? And how do I like, learn to take, like, my thoughts about, like, advocacy into a place where I feel like I can actually make a change besides just saying, like, okay, go out and, like, vote for this candidate that's not going to, like, make enough of a difference, but rather, okay, what can I do to, like, really, really, like, help my own city or, like, help the space or help people actually feel a difference? Because... You and I, you and people like I, you know, who have interacted with these progressive or democratic institutions for so many years are like, I mean, I mean, they're lacking because fundamentally they're supposed to be lacking, you know, they're not challenging the status quo, which is, you know, they're not, they're not revolutionary organizations and they're not revolutionary parties because what needs the, the, the kind of change that needs to happen is revolutionary. 
you know, when, 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 you know, when, when, when I talk about things that's like a democratic reorganization of society, that, that means revolution, you know, because right now, fund, like fundamentally, we, we don't need to just keep, you know, keep this whole idea of, you know, okay, there's like producers and owners, and we need to make the relationship between the producer and, and owners better with all of these workers whose lives we want to improve, you know, in the meantime, it's like, no, we want to get rid of that whole dynamic. You know, it's, it's not, oh, workers just need a, need a raise. It's like, no, workers need the whole damn pie and workers need to decide what to do with the pie and what to put in the next pie and what we do with it. And it's just like, it's like, you know, you're, you're looking cause you're looking for more and you're just, you're like, it took me a few years to realize it, but I'm not going to find it in in a capitalist party like the Democratic Party. So, I mean, I think you're you're on your way there. I'm helping you. Helping yeah. You get- it's yeah. like, yeah, like it's just it, it it's kind of like a a realization that one has to make. It took me a long time to make. Well, I'm happy to be on this journey with you. Um, so. I think we, this is a good place to like wrap up like our first episode. So, yeah. oh my God. Um, so what, let's see. Um, so, you know, we'll keep going on this journey together. Um, we'll make this show available on all platforms. Um, we'll also have a discord going. Um, we'll make the link available on, on all platforms as well. Um, it'll be on discord. It'll be called the Homewood pod. We'll have like other people from our campaign um, and just in our communities and, you know, places that we can like just kind of figure out you know how to make like real change like actual tangible changes in our neighborhood so matthew yeah. the good folks where they can find you at um twitter uh uh my uh as we didn't talk about but my my instagram was taken down by instagram all that leftist hatred um uh matthew underscore malloy m-e-l-o-y um and yeah i always encourage people to check out socialist alternative the website and uh, their national workers movement they just launched called Workers Strike Back. So workersstrikeback.org. You don't have to be a socialist to join. This is an organization fighting for workers of all backgrounds and beliefs. So check it out. Perfect. And you guys can find me online. Um, I'm on Instagram at hey.row and also um, on Twitter at sincerely underscore row. And uh, yeah, that's that's going to wrap it up. So um, thanks for everyone's time today. Mm-hmm. Bye, y'all. Bye. Is it still recording? It is. <laughs>